guests. Oh, fantastic. Uh, it's time for another episode of Minor Revelations with Drew Drogi. That's me. Hi. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, first of all, I really, I'm, I'm going back and forth. By the time this airs, I, I, I know that the embargo will be lifted and people will be hopefully talking about this movie a lot because I just saw something that I was like a top secret screening. And so I'm going to be vague about details because I'm just nervous and I don't want to blow anything for them. Or I mean, I burned all my bridges. I just don't want to ruin theirs. It's a basically a very gay musical um, that is sort of like, um, what do you call um, babies that are that grow up together in the womb and they look exactly like each other? That's what the title working title used to be uh, with the word fucking in front of it. But they have a new name now, I believe. Um, it's fantastic. Follow me on Instagram. If you don't already, please just follow my watch this space. Is that what they say? I don't know. I want to give this movie so much love because it is so beautiful and so inspiring to me that it, it was genuinely hysterically funny. The musical numbers are are brilliant. I was full of joy, incredible supporting performances by Nathan Lane and Megan the Stallion. Um, you, I've given you enough information to do your work and find this movie when you can get a hold of it. I know we're, we're not really promoting movies right now. We're in a weird place with like projects and when we're on strike and all of that. And uh, also people are very strategic about when you're able to talk about something. I know it sounds really so vague in Hollywood and I have lots of that to talk about today. Lots of vagary to display today. How fun. Um, here's the thing. And I don't, I don't like to yuck people's yums. I'm really happy when mainstream movies uh, really affect people and and they find them to be brilliant and moved. And when you're crying at these, I love that for you. And I am always very sad when I don't, I'm genuinely sad when I don't concur and I watch something and go, God, that just did nothing for me. I don't feel smarter. I don't feel cooler. I just feel sad that I don't love it. And there was this big, splashy, I'll just choose the color pink, movie that came out recently that everyone was losing their mind for. And I just felt so outside of it. And I, it did nothing for me. That's all I'm going to say. Um, this movie that I'm talking about, this, this very queer musical, insane, filthy movie is exactly what I needed. It inspired me. I, I, I talked about Paul Rubin's last show. It, it, it's the, it, it's the, it's the next step in Paul Rubin's work. It's, it's the next step in, you know, and, and I'm so glad he's still alive and making art. But John Waters and uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, it has feeling, it has echoes of, of their work as well. It's amazing. And it just inspired me as an artist to see that that can happen still. Because I see a lot of things now that everyone just collectively deems as brilliant and mind-blowing. And I don't, like I said, I don't feel, I, I don't say this to be arrogant. I just, I say this as somebody who just feels like left out of what I missed. Um, when I'm watching something that just feels kind of thin and not novel. So when I see something brilliant, you get what I'm saying. I just want to give, I just, I just want to say, watch this movie and laugh and be moved. And it's so unbelievably gay. I, I, I'm really excited to talk to, to straight people about this movie and their take on it because God, it, it, it's made for faggots. And, and, and that's literally what one of the creators told me after. And I go, Absolutely.
Oh, and I, I just want to say too, I just saw that I want to give, I want to give a shout out to my friend, Sam Pancake, my dear friend, Sam Pancake, who's got a podcast called the Monday Afternoon Movie. They just celebrated their 100th episode. He doesn't know that I'm doing this. I promise I'm not doing this. Yeah, whatever. Um, he can Venmo me later, take me to a nice lunch, or as we call it, cunch, where we sit together and just scream at each other and cunt out. So we have a cunch. Uh, yeah. So, but Sam does this amazing podcast called the Monday Afternoon Movie, where he reviews uh, made-for-TV films from the 70s. And they're, they had to be made for TV. And I've gotten to be on it twice. And it's it's brilliant. And I just saw that they celebrated their 100th episode, which, oh my God, incredible. That is so beautiful. And I, I need to segue into saying this is our this is our 10th episode. Yay. Since we've been back, obviously, we, we had over 50 episodes from 2016 and 17. And please go back and, and listen to some or all 50, some of those. But in 2023, we've made 10 episodes and I have had the greatest time with these 20 guests who just bring on so much. I never know what they're going to come on with. But for the most part, these have felt like really loving, um, connected, touchy-feely sessions with some of the funniest people I know, but people feeling really open to be vulnerable, which I want to thank them for doing that and thank people for listening. Um, I have to say, and I I, I, I didn't know that I was, this was going to happen so quickly, I just, yay, good news. I, I This, in the spirit of vagueness, this will be announced soon, but not officially today when I'm recording this. I got a really fun gig in New York City that's going to take me there through the fall. And I'm not going to be able to do this while I'm there. So I'm taking a break. I'm not above or below recording something while I'm there and maybe using it later. And, you know, I, I want to be open to what's coming my way, but I just am accepting a full-time job doing this very exciting thing that, again, watch this space. It'll be there soon. I just know that I'm not going to be able to do this and that. And and also be in New York with all the sound issues and and editor and another all all the all the things it's just not gonna be able to happen so i apologize i am taking a break for an indefinite amount of time i really want to come back and bring more episodes uh to this and like i said it'll be over before we know it and then we'll you know we'll be back soon um but uh sometimes you just you have to you have to do these things when you're doing them on your own you have to just like uh make choices and and pick hills to 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 climb to die on i don't know that climb every mountain i don't know electric grandmother anyone okay great uh king of the mountain i think that's what they played i don't remember orange juice came out of her finger i'm sober i promise so anyway i just want to i want to thank everybody for listening and um for just cheering me on over the, in the years in between for for telling me they love the podcast and reminding me that this is something that's very important to me very personal very special um it's very much not about promoting and networking and all that creepy stuff that I don't love about what I have to do, but it's way more about just the human experience. And I just, I thanks for, for going on that journey and letting it get weird and uh, referential and all the things that we, you know, kind of enjoy the wormholes that we get into. So um, we will be back soon. I, we have an incredible show for you today. I, I was, I had the best time. I just, I just talked to these wonderful guests so i and this is a, a really awesome awesome one especially if you like old movies and um and flavors this next this is all about movies and flavors you'll get it let's see let's have a show 
I'm here with Lorraine Newman and Margaret Cho. We're so excited to have you all back on the show. Oh, and for our viewers at home, Margaret, who's the little baby next to you? Lucia Katerina Lawler Cho. She had a long walk and then she was barking at squirrels outside. Now she's really tired from it. Oh, honey, she's had a day. I love (laughs) it. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I love, I love that. Uh, And she's Italian and. And um, Estonian, I guess. (laughs) Estonian and Korean all at once. I love Korean. International baby. Yes, baby. Yes, yes, yes. Lorraine, do you have do you have animals? Do you have pets? I don't. We, uh, the last pet I we had uh, Portuguese water dogs uh, uh, because it was the only breed the kids weren't allergic to, uh, and it's a great breed, but it's a working dog. And mm. if you've ever had a working dog, they've been bred to think for themselves. Ah, uh, and the Portuguese water dog would herd fish into nets, <gasps> so they would dive under the water and herd the fish into the nets. They would carry messages back and forth between the fishermen. And so my dogs, when I was trying to train them, it was like, well, I'll do it as much as where I'm not doing it. (laughs) As much as I want to. Yes, yes. They really are like children too. They have a mind of their own and even, I mean, I, my, one of my dear friends has a dog and I, we've raised, I mean, since a puppy, I feel like I've helped raise this dog right living right around the corner. And she's kind of always just done her own thing and she's warmed up to people, but she's, and she's sweet as can be, but just doesn't really need, you know, doesn't need affection. Does It's not a needy dog at all for the, any of that kind of stuff. Personality. But I also mm. love like what that, that just the history and the genes that come down. Cause we, I grew mm-hmm. up having a Boston Terrier. And Boston Terriers are, they were trained to run through the streets of Boston, I guess, and grab rats and, and just kill rats. So that's when they get a hold of like a, a rag, a sock or rag or whatever, they just like thrash it together. Cause that's what they were, they were trained to do. And it's crazy because they are, what'd you say? That's their like, that's their purpose. Purpose. Yeah. They're relentless. Yes. I mean, that's, yeah, it's a terrier thing. I think chihuahuas have that too, a little bit of a terrier thing. Yeah. I met the um, Obama's dogs, the uh, Bo and Sunny, the first dogs. Mm-hmm. They're Portuguese water dogs. The most oh, beautiful okay. Now I know what you're talking dogs. about. They're beautiful, uh, just so well-mannered, you know, because they were greeting people at the White House. So they were just incredibly social, but um, very well-trained and such a gorgeous breed. I love that dog. When we got our first uh, Portuguese water dog, I was doing a movie in Woodstock and I went into a uh, a bookstore and I saw that they clearly had a, a Portuguese water dog puppy. I said, oh, is that a porty? And they said, yes. And I said, I have a puppy. And they said, you have our condolences. <laughs> and then I remember Michelle Obama saying, these dogs are crazy. <laughs> oh. Yes, yes. Well, they they got a I got they got a hold of their personality. They got a hold of the behavior. They they were so well mannered, just beautiful. So I think they grow into a kind of maturity. Mm. Yeah, they're great adult dogs. They're fabulous. They're fabulous dogs. Yeah, anyway. yeah. But they really are like people because there's so much of us comes fully formed, and then there's like there's stuff that you're like, oh, that's because this happened to you, or this because you were raised in such a way. And then there are other things where, like, that was just in me from that from conception, 
And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the whole like, you know, nature nurture thing is like, oh, I think it's both for, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for sentient beings. Cause it's sort of like, yeah, you have to carry, you carry the history with you. You carry your own specific little DNA. And then you're also just like, oh, and then life hits you and you just kind of, you kind of walk through it all and try to, try to Do you remember that book, Clan of the Cave Bear? Oh, I've it only is, seen the movie, sadly, but I, yes. It, it, well, I didn't see the movie, but the book um, has this part of it where these individuals maintain the history of their ancestors. It's in them, you know, and I always thought mm. that was such an interesting concept. Yeah. I love, yeah. Um, I remember having to watch that movie in school and loving Daryl Hannah. And um, I just, I remember that, I remember that like, when they were going to have sex, I remember that they would, they would clap and then they would do, they would like do their arms together. And that was like, just this terrible, what terrible men, you know, and you're like, gosh, <laughs> men have always been horrid. <laughs> but the outfits and the look was very Burning Man. Oh, dude. <laughs> It was very like post-apocalyptic, totally. but 2012 apocalyptic. Yes, like how we yes. thought the world was going to end then and everybody sort of dressed that way. Oh, so I the love aesthetics that. are cool. I love that. I love that we've kind of always thought of like future in those in those sort of terms. It's sort of like it always has that sort of, you know, Raquel Welch. Uh, was that? One million BC. Thank you. One million BC. It always says just that look of like we return to cave times and to primal, you know, you know, whatever. That's also, you know, what I noticed also is when they depict the future, a lot of the men were completely bald. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's who would have thought that that would be like a look. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or balding like um, Sean Connery and Zardoz. He was balding with a, a, like a long braid. (laughs) Zardoz. Now that is some, Cinema. I love that you mentioned Zardoz. Zardoz, Zardoz is really a great, I mean, his outfit, it's like male lingerie. because, yes. And it's sort of a little bit, like it could be good at the Folsom Street Fair. It could be that look. <laughs> Isn't it kind of like crimson? Is that in my memory? It's of red. Yeah, it's like yeah. red. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean Connery, God, it was just, oh. Almost carnelian. It's not uh-huh. even like, it's almost like an orange red. It's a yes. very burnt orange right. red. Right, 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 right. Beautiful. Yeah. I also love when you ever want to tell the era of a movie when they try to show the future. Like, it's, <laughs> like a movie never looks more like its era than when it tries to show the future. Like a '60s mm-hmm. movie show, like Barbarella. You're like, this is so '60s, you know, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of like looking at something and going, oh, this is exactly what what our subconscious thought of. Or like '80s, like the Apple. Which have y'all seen the Apple? Do you know? Mm-hmm. No. Oh. The Apple, you would both love it. The Apple came out in 1980, but it's set in the future of 1994, Ooh. in which the, just always wise to set a movie just 14 years in the future, but it's when the music industry controls the government and it's a rock and roll a musical. Um, Catherine Mary Stewart is in it. And then I don't know anybody else. And Finola Hughes is an extra in it. You'll catch her from. Oh, from wow. Catch Incredible. her in it for a minute. And um, it's like an Adam and Eve story. Like, so therefore the Apple but it's all set in the world of like, you know, um, rock and roll. And it's like, yeah, but the Mr. Boogaloo like controls the government. And it's like at every, at like some, like every, like at four o'clock every afternoon, everyone has to stop whatever they're doing and dance. And play air it guitar. is magical trash. It is so good. Great, great. That sounds Christ. great. I would but, love to see that. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's on, you can find it. He's, it, but it was something that like for a while you it would only screen at the new art, like once a year and you would yeah. like find it. And, you know, people, with the, there's this thing, you know, the government, it's like obviously a cult and everyone has to wear these triangles called BIMS. 
So you wear a BIM mark and that means you're like sort of like you're been, you've been branded. But it's so a, it's so 1980. It's so from that mm-hmm. Xanadu, you know, that sort of can't stop the music era where they were just I like, love it. let's make a mu- rock musical. But it's and it's it, there could not be it, it's so far off from 1994. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I love that. I have to see that. I saw the Omega Man the other day with Tom Heston and I've never seen thing. the Omega Man. It was supposedly set in the future of 1977. <laughs> and you know the that color of that time and the sound there was always yes. something about the sound in those mo- movies from that time and you know a chase scene would still have like the wah wah pedal you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And um, oh, amazing. It, it's it's like a Michael Crichton movie. It was like what inspired Night of the Living Dead, supposedly. And Right, because wow. he has to screen his own movies. That's the thing of like he goes out and he he's like the only man. And then there's these hippie um, zombies. Right. That are kind of get But he just like has to live his life alone. And he just wants to watch movies. So he's the projectionist in the movie theaters who gets to watch. I think that's kind of. Yeah, I have to. I really wanted to watch that after seeing the trailer not that long ago. So I have to watch that, too. That's great. Okay. Well, it's Man. it's not that good. <laughs> I'll just let you know that. Yeah. Yeah. But I love yeah. I love that kind of stuff. I love like missed failures with great ideas. It's like that's what I think they should remake. It's like tell that story and be like, oh, or, or find another way to do it. But also, I don't know. I enjoy that. I enjoy that kind of stuff. I don't, you know, guilty pleasures. I'm like, like what you like. I mean, it's like get into Yeah, there's it nothing and... no guilt about it. You know, no. I just like watch uh I watched Basic Instinct and Jade double feature. Oh, and, and Esther Haas. <laughs> Jade, there's no, there's no Asian people in it. It's Angie Everhart, <laughs> and it's called Jade. It's, it's the Asian with the with the green kipau. Yeah. Oh my god. That's <laughs> so funny. Well, there's actually two Asian extras in the beginning of Jade. Oh. They, you don't that you don't see them again for the whole movie. Um, oh. But Jade was like the sort of it's going to be even more erotic than Basic Instinct. Oh yes. Um, and that it's was the movie such... that David Caruso left. Yeah, left uh, NYPD Blue. NYPD Blue to like start his film career. And right. isn't that, isn't, is it he or, it's Linda Fiorentino in that movie too, right? Yes, Linda Fiorentino yeah. is in it. Who's yeah. the, the, the car, the killing with a car is one of the funniest, most brilliant things ever in that movie. Isn't there a car death it's, in um, It's, yeah, it's, okay. um, it's yeah, it happens, it's near the, near the beginning. It's very, it's all very, um, it's so 90s noir. Yes. You know, it's that perfect kind of 90s noir. And San Francisco, I love movies set in San Francisco also, so it's Me perfect. Too. And yeah. so is Basic Instinct. That's also San Francisco, which I so love. So the same. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. it. And that, I watched that again recently. It's so fun. It's so mm-hmm. wild. And I know, I think Sharon Stone's great in it. I think Michael right. Douglas is great. I mean, like, it's just, it's great. a... It's just like, I wish they would make movies like that again. Like, I miss those. I mean, Sliver, any of them. I love that sort of. I love, like, the erotic thriller. And I love um, that anybody who's vaguely lesbian wears a vest. (laughs) 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 A vest code. It's like lesbian hanky code. It's so perfect. Yes. Oh, my God. It's so good. Yes, because that's the Gene Triple Horn. Just, uh, you know, uh, that movie, too. There's, there's, yeah. Oh, and, um. What's her name? The other blonde in Basic Instinct that Catherine Tramell has the has the makeup. Oh, the, with. Ro- Ro- Roxy, her lover, Roxy. Roxy. Yeah. yeah. Who's that actress? Yeah, Do yeah, we know? Yeah. Who is that actress? I can't remember her I name. Don't she's know wonderful. Either. Yeah, she's so good. 
But then they go and they dance at a gay bar or it's like a sort of a queer club uh -huh. and the dancing is really fabulous and everybody looks great. And it's just such a fun scene of like San Francisco, queer culture. Oh, really cool. That's love it. I mean, but also I love that Paul Verhoeven's understanding of like American culture of like because the dancing and showgirls is so crazy, too. And it's like <gasps> just like people having fun and it's just kind of angry and frenetic and. Just and I love it. I wish we went out and danced like that. If that's, I mean, I I love that. We're all too just cool. that Nomi Malone who's like grabbing like yeah. it, there's no. It's very modern. It's not really. Um, she's just grabbing at anything. It's like a wild animal dancing. Yes, yes. I love but it. Her character was like a wild animal, like totally. completely impulsive mm -hmm. and quick to anger. And uh, the blade just, at the very beginning of the movie, you're like, oh, she. She means it. And then the vomiting, my luggage. The, the, <laughs> the vomiting, like really like, like the crazy, like my cat does that sometimes, like running, vomiting, um, oh, all of it. So all good. Of it. And the scene in the pool. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, so I was, I was watching that with my, my ex father, my children, and, but we were watching that and he turns to me and says, you and me, that scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Meanwhile, two people show up to the ER. Like, what were you doing? Well, we were, we were trying to thrash Fox. I was snapping my head back really Five hard because my hair weighed so much. <laughs> it's this and the waterfall and yes. all of this stuff. Like, it's just, um, I poor Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, you know? yes. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, my God. It's great. But it's he's such so, a great movie. He's so committed. I mean, I do what I love about Great Camp is that everyone is so committed to that movie. I think Gina like Patrick and Patrick. How great is <laughs> yes, Patrick? Patrick, in that? Our, our Patrick Bristow. Oh, Patrick oh Bristow, the genius <gasps> Patrick. And I love his stories in the movie because they all were like really going for it and thinking it was gonna be this, you know, and and I love it for the we still talk about it, you know. It's it's absolutely it's, I don't even you know, think you could classify it's style i i know yeah. it really is i you know if it weren't for the rape which is the part of the movie i just can't i can't watch, watch that scene that part mm -hmm. is so awful and just so misguided it's so upsetting it really is and it's it's just it's just the thing we're like oh just no and also that character doesn't deserve yeah. it at all you're like that that He's is just, it was just <laughs> it was yeah it's like a messy buffet that movie yes mm -hmm. you know that's been picked over but there's everything on there yes mm -hmm. And you it's call so that a PK Vegas. turn? It's like you call that a PK turn. <laughs> PK and te turn. tennis ball. I love tennis ball's hair. I really, I think about that movie too much. Oh my God, I know. <laughs> There's so much stuff in it that it's like, it was truly like written by someone from another planet, like how people talk, like the, the puppy chow conversation. It's like, oh yeah, that's just friends at lunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the weird eroticism that forced eroticism between elizabeth berkeley and gina gershon that I really didn't they didn't really have the erotic chemistry they had chemistry of some yes, kind yes wasn't totally. erotic though no but everybody was dtf everybody. yeah everybody oh, yeah. everybody oh absolutely yeah so robert good. davi all of them were just like just slime balls oh it's just so good so delicious i think too like a lot of things are so aware like everyone knows the genre that they're sending up and they're things are made now with this like added sheen of like wink wink get it and it drives me crazy it's so few things i feel like i see now that i'm like oh wow like i really love that they just yeah they trusted us to just or they just were so in their own vision they didn't care about 
It was a movie like no one was watching. Yes. <laughs> That's that. right. That's right. I love that. Well, how are your how are your days? I'd love to hear from um either one of you. Like what's something you'd like to to talk about or reveal on this, what is it, Wednesday morning? I had the day wrong earlier. Well, what I had uh wanted to introduce the um the minor thing. Um, sure. I have uh never drank a beer. Really? And I have severe alcoholism and I've been in, in uh institutionalized for it. And I have, uh, you know, been sober for quite some time, but I have still never drank a beer. I kind of, I know what it tastes like. I have, I have never actually swallowed it, but I have a suspicion of what it might taste like. And and I have put it a little bit in my mouth, but never drank one. How would you describe it? Um, I imagine it tastes something like uh, sparkling water. Mm. um, It tastes like bilge water. Yeah. yeah, I've only had one sip of one beer. Really? Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Well, I'm one wild. of those weirdos in, in AA that never drank. Mm. I just use drugs. Mm-hmm. And I never... can dig it, Margaret. Totally. Wow. Yeah, I'm kind of that too. I'm that too, yeah. Yeah. If I'm going to drink, I'll drink vodka. I love vodka and I love wine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also uh, never quite drank a beer Um it it seems to me like it tastes like bread crust. Yeah, bread. It's very bready. Every now and then, I had a beer yesterday. I'll have. I drink maybe five or six beers a year, if that many. Uh, you know, as mm. someone who drinks, I mean, it's like in the summertime. I'll have one when it's really hot. I really, but I most beer drinkers hate IPA because it's really bitter and it's kind of great, very grapefruit y. Like because it was, it has extra hops because the way it was made and shipped and it had to travel from India, so it was like. I, to me, it doesn't really taste like beer. And that's the one that I really like. Cause I don't really love beer at all. Like I will. So I always cho- choose an IPA, but like beer snobs. When I always ask at the bartender, like, what's your favorite IPA? They're like, um, none of them. They're terrible. Cause it's just a different, totally different flavor. It's more of like a bitter sort of citrus. Cause I like really bitter. I like really, really bitter tasting things. Not mm. um, necessarily bready, uh, you know, but even with like, scotch i don't like there's something in scotch too that has a very malty sort of thing to it that yeasty taste mm-hmm. to it that i don't that i don't really love i mean i there's amazing homemade sourdough bread but again bitter that's why i like it mm-hmm. homemade bread i love but i'm not a bread person either like that's one thing mm-hmm. i could give up when i'm like trying to lose weight i'm like oh bread and white potatoes are the first things i can give up drew keep that to yourself because <laughs> <laughs> uh i, I love just bread. love like I love yeah. like spicy, flavorful, like I just like a lot more. And there's something about like that I don't necessarily like, but I wouldn't know how to really describe beer other than, yeah, then sort of Bilgewater's good. Um, yeasty. Yeasty, sort of like, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's it does something for some people, but usually just regular beer. It's kind of sweaty and it's just kind of like, I don't know. I don't mm. know. That's well, that is. In- Kind of connected to that idea is that uh, I'm never thirsty. I was like mm. born without thirst. Wow. And, uh, I have to force myself to drink liquid and I'll I'll drink it while I'm eating. But if I'm not eating, I, I it's, you know, and all of those diet things and health things, it's like, you know, six, eight ounce or eight, eight ounce things of water a day. And I would be like growing up because oh, yeah. I mm. cannot drink a lot of liquid. It just... And I'm not thirsty. And that was the thing about beer. I remember I went on a teen tour 
when I was 16 and we were in London at this bar and these guys had these steins that were huge and they just drink the whole thing. Mm. And I'm just like, how can anybody be that thirsty? Right. And it makes you more thirsty too, because it does that weird thing of, you know, it's got that. Because it's a dehydrating. It dehydrates you. Um, so you you know, the alcohol. Together. Yeah. It's just so bloaty and foamy and I don't know. There was something when I also, when I saw that it was like, it's like a beer is like eight slices of bread in terms of just like what having. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's all I need to hear. Like, <laughs> I keep it away. You know, yesterday was like super hot. It was the middle of the day and we were, or the, you know, end of the day, we were kind of like perfect time. Cause um, I don't know. There's other stuff that I don't think. What do you think? I mean, it's so interesting that neither one of you really drank that or you, Lorraine, you never really drank that much. And, you know, it's just I because um, it always says like that's the, the the gateway, like everyone starts drinking first, you know, the um, beer is the first thing you're sort of offered. Right. You know, and, right. or any kind of a drink that's sort of like the entry point into alcohol is always a beer. Right. It's sort of more like very common drink that people are, you know, very used to having. It's so, so easily seen anywhere. Right. My gateway mm -hmm. was Darvon. What's what? What's Darvon. that? It's off the market now, but it's a painkiller. Oh, wow. I love that. I love When I first killer. got my period, <laughs> this is a great <laughs> subject, Joe. Um, I had like monster cramps. I mean, so bad that like mm. when I was five centimeters dilated with my first baby, it was like, yeah, I remember this. It, mm. They were that bad. Mm -hmm. So I was given Darvon. And I was a really straight kid. You know, I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't ditch school or anything. No sex. But someone told me if you take the pink pill that's inside it, it's pure codeine. Mm. And no compunction. I just took that right away. Wow. And that was, was early on. Drew, I was home. You were at home. You felt seen. Well, I love opiates. Opiates to me are like really um, just the only thing only thing and mm. and i really have to like like i i have been you know sober and abstinent or whatever for a long time but every time i look at somebody doing something different i'm curious like what is this huffing computer duster that everybody kids are? right i like what is this rainbow colored fentanyl that you kids are you know like yeah. i i really like have curiosity about but it's just not you know i'm sure it's all kind of the same stuff but yeah not yeah, the, the pot is so intriguing. Oh, Gummies yeah. and lollipops and soda. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wax and shatter and dabs and all of those, <laughs> the pens and everything, Amazing. you know, to me is very interesting. I mean, that that is kind of my go-to drug of choice is an edible. Like, I really mm. enjoy that, especially the ones that are, you know, now that you buy them in the store and you know exactly what you're getting. Because the old days of just, hey, my friend made a tray of brownies is was terrifying. Yeah. Because you just didn't know. And just when not you thought, sure. oh, I'm not, not doing sure. anything, I'll do another yeah. one. And then you're yeah. like on the ceiling. So now I know like, okay, this is a nice ride. I know the peaks and valleys and I know what <clears> I'm getting <throat> and I'm going to enjoy a movie or whatever. And then, you know, whatever I'm going to go do. But um, I don't function on them. I don't, I don't enjoy, like, I couldn't do this on that. I would feel too like weird. I would either talk way too much or, or just be quiet or whatever I, think but... I can't ask this no i can't no ask I, exactly that oh that'd be so they'll think i'm so dumb if i asked that thing but maybe oh wait i just missed that um <laughs> just missing i know that. i feel so paranoid it's just yeah. so yeah like i don't know edibles are are very unpredictable for me too even though like well i don't i haven't done them in the age of now we know exactly what mm -hmm. milligrams are in mm -hmm. things 
Um, so even before when you would go to the pot store, when they were sort of just first in the early 2000s, when they were first starting to provide things, they were still sort of almost home baked goods. I mm -hmm. got given a, a pot brownie from uh, Brownie Mary, who was the uh, woman who kept getting arrested in 90s AIDS san francisco where she was oh, awesome. um, baking yeah. pot brownies to give to gay men in hospice who were dying oh, bless her and wow. to give them an appetite so they could you know have a way to eat more and gain some weight and so she kept going getting put in jail she was in her 70s late 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 70s early 80s and um, i met her on the bottom of a a hill and she saw me and she came over and she gave me a brownie and i sat down and i did not get up for i think about 12 hours i was so high it was crazy wow to get dosed by this very uh phenomenal iconic person but i think part of me wow. is still high from that <laughs> to this <laughs> oh, day i can't can do math yeah forever yeah minor revelations is supported by scruff so after you listen to the podcast go on there and give your buddies a woof or do it now. I can't tell you what to do. Thanks, Scruff. The only new drug that I that I haven't tried that I want to try is ayahuasca. And mm -hmm. even that, I feel like I'd have to go. I, I I would. It'd be a whole series of things, a situation that I have to be in. That's not just something you get off the street and just sit down and do ayahuasca by yourself. You have to be in like a whole. You know, there's nothing worth puking for me. There's just I, that's, nothing. There's worth there's that. also that. You know, I think about all that stuff too, and it's sort of like. I also, I love the, you know, the experience that I have, but I don't always love myself when I'm on those things or what it's coming out of my mouth and what I'm saying. It sort of creates, I feel a little phoniness that comes over with it when I'm like, I'm in love with everyone in the room and I'm just giving this love. And there's, there's part of me that's like, I don't quite believe that. And I, and I, and it, I, I turn on my brain a little bit about that kind of stuff. Like I don't, it doesn't always, those things don't always open me up to a truth as much as just really kind of fuck me up. And then there wow. are other amazing things that I get out of those experiences, like with mushrooms or whatever that it's like, or, um, ecstasy or whatever, um, Molly or whatever. It's like, part of it is like, am I just high or do I really love this person I just met that I'm sitting now next to? I don't really feel yeah, that connected. You still to have critical thinking. I never did yeah. if I was high like that. <clears throat> yeah. No yeah, it's just lo the love. Uh, it, it's sort of That's like it. I get caught up in the the moment, the drug, the uh, opiate receptors really going, going hard. You know, I do love the drug, but the problem is, is I don't love the after effects of being dope sick, and then having to get more drugs, and then the corrosive effects on the body. Everything that comes with it, I can't, I can't handle. Yeah, of course, absolutely not. It's not all. It's 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 horrible, and I think too. You know, it's like not worth, it's not worth it. You know, it's like, a, it's great to experiment and try it, but it's not worth it. And beer is absolutely not worth it. Like y'all dodge those bullets big time. I don't understand that at all. But talking about like being intrigued by these new products and everything, my attitude, I mean, that aside, I have that attitude about food. It's mm. like, I must have knowledge of this thing. Right. This pastry that I have never had. Right. Mm -hmm. I have to have knowledge of it. And then I don't have to eat it again, uh, which doesn't always happen. <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, I have that with food where I, I've never had I've never seen that. I've never had it. I must know. I, yeah. I will. I will follow when I go to new cities. I will look up the best or weird, like kind of offbeat restaurants or where the locals eat or whatever. And I'm like, I have to get the thing that people are talking about and 
just to knock it off the list. And it's not usually what I would order on the menu, but I just try to like, I have to have that too. I also, aside from some, every like five or 10 years, there's a new Brazilian super fruit that comes out that we've never heard of. It's like amazing. <laughs> yes. uh-huh. I think of most food, like we would have had it by now if it's still amazing. Well, there's also reinvention. I think the real name for Chilean sea bass is something else. It's It's not even a bass, I think. Right. But they gave it this name because it was more appealing. So it's right. almost like these foods are being invented. Oh, well, there's also um, sea salt. Everything is with sea salt. Oh, I know. Or, you know, um, yeah. Madagascar vanilla. They like put these things next to something and you go, oh, that must be better. Like it's Himalayan sea salt. Sea salt, do, you yeah. Know, pink well, Himalayan. some of it is authentically that. Yes. But then there's, there's ways to also just do an ersatz version of it. Right. Right. But they, I think, definitely do like try to mix things up and make it sound more, you know, exotic. And it's just the mm-hmm. thing that it is. Most potato chips are barbecue. I mean, most of these like flavored potato chips, I'm kind of like, they kind of taste like a version of barbecue to me. Hmm. Right. Or do you not, do you not agree? Well, like the, um, what is it? Vinegar and salt. Oh, no, no, That's, not the, no, there no. Are those are... Fla- there are these new flavors. There are these new flavors. That weren't around when I was a you didn't child. You did have salt or the basic ingredients. Yes, it, it's just the palate of the youngsters can tolerate <laughs> watermelon flavor. Oh. Yeah, that's what I say. Oh, or, you know, sour apple and, oh, God. Oh. What it's also <laughs> with chewing gum that is like an, a fruit and a mint. It's like watermelon spearmint or like these, it's vile oh, wow. to me. Stra- <laughs> it's like strawberry and, and like a, like meant something or other it's just uh, well, also the the filled ones the the gum that goes oh, squirt no 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 Ugh. horrifying oh, you know jordan you really Black know what you're getting won't eat food that has food inside of it he Who? has a thing where Who's he will that? not eat jordan black you know jordan oh yes of course he will not eat food if there's food inside of it like squirt gum i always think of jordan when you say or like or like hot pockets or pop tarts or, or stuffed anything, anything. Hidden in a burrito. He doesn't like. He likes that's to open so it up. It's to see his food. And I Did find that. Did not know that about him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, I don't trust like what's inside of it. <laughs> so, oh, so my funny. God. But that gum that squirts is so vile. Like, it, it, it's like jelly. And then it just, it dehydrates the gum. And you can't even chew it anymore. It just, it's terrible. Yeah. Awful. And it tastes chemical, so. Yeah. No, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with it at all. But I do think, yeah, I just do think that like whatever we have, like we would have had it by now. Like if it was amazing, like soon you go to a certain place, it's like, I don't, I mean, unless there are laws, like, you know, I guess like haggis, when I had, went to Scotland, like you can't legally have that because there are haggis. laws about sheep in the oh, United States about no what kidding. you can do, how you can eat sh- or process that or whatever. So well, I have you ever go- seen haggis in a can? Oh, I've oh seen God, that God, here no. in, in America. And just the thought of it, I whatever brave soul is going to try that, my hat is off to them. Ew. Um, but you know something, there's there's things that have been around, like, for instance, kale. Mm-hmm. You know, kale has been around, for but sure. it was not, it was a garnish. It was right. never really considered edible. Right. And so, so its existence was pretty much unknown. Um, do you know the restaurant, Mr. Chow's? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they would serve that, those emerald green greens that were like fried and salted. That was kale. Kale. Yeah. Well, I used to work, I worked at the, um, 
I worked at the uh, seafood department of a grocery store when I was in college. And kale was what we had to just, that was, we would display everything on right. that. I remember we'd have to like kind of massage it down so they could flatten it out a little bit, but it was, it was a garnish. It was just, it was like parsley or anything else. And, mm -hmm. um, I know. What about Pauline kale? Pauline kale, my favorite. <laughs> critic. <laughs> what an amazing voice in cinema we've lost. Oh my God. Years. Truly. I love <laughs> Talk about being out Xanadu again. Remember her Xanadu Review. review? Uh -uh. She took out I an, don't remember her. Okay, so she <laughs> took out an entire column in the Times, New York Times, is that where she? Yeah. yeah. So she took out an entire column to review Xanadu, and she only wrote, Xana don't, and then left oh, no! the entire <laughs> column blank. So people <gasps> flipping through the oh. newspaper, I mean, that would, I mean, you're immediately going to catch that. That is so much oh. better than any scathing review, because you go, wait, wait, there's something wrong with the newspaper. There's a blank <laughs> column here. And in, yeah. And um, oh, and there was a parody wild. of Xanadu, they, a, a musical called Xanadont that was that they did on stage for a while because yeah, but that was her. I just she oh, was so brilliantly mean. Mm -hmm. mm. Things she loved, she loved. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You know that, and then the, they those things like rules of the game, or even um, La, uh, Last Tango in Paris. She actually loved. I had a really interesting taste, you know, like just very, um, very specific and thoughtful. I think she even liked Kentucky Fried Movie. I don't know why I that have that movie. in my mind. It's a really good movie. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so movie. fun. I love Kentucky Fried Movie. Yeah. Were well, you in that, Lorraine? No, I know a lot of no, people like was, a lot of was the Groundlings Brothers, people were in I that. Think. No, th yeah. they were a separate entity from the Groundlings. But I remember this was so odd. There was a theater right next to Fox. It was this little white theater and someone told me that they played in that place and it was sinking and there was actually so much moisture that mushrooms were growing on the carpeting in the dressing rooms. And, oh, wow. Uh, but I remember seeing Kentucky Fried Theater there. Wow. I've been in those dressing rooms. I mean, I've been in those theaters too, the, the mushrooms, the whole thing. It's so oh. crazy. Yeah, Pauline. I mean, uh, I just wish we had critics anymore that actually were trained and and the art of it because they when they they, they have a really, well, there are a few that are really brilliant and you read the review and you go, oh, they've really thought about this and they actually have a a a, a different brain. Like, because we're all critics now, we're all mm -hmm. reviewers. We all everybody online and we put our comments, or whatever. And then you know you read a lot of reviews and they're like, oh, you just summarize the movie or you're just kind of following a popular trend or you're like liking this because you're supposed to or hating it because you're supposed to, which I think is even worse. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also the the um, culture of that critic's personality that they, you know, hate everything so that when they like something, you know, and they hate popular things that everybody loves, when right. they like something, then you consider it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Or the art of a critique anyway, I think is really something that has gone by the wayside. It's, I think because we don't have a uniform way that we are um, understanding news or news commentary or opinion. So it's all fractured and there's so much social media around this kind of stuff that a lot of it is really, they do like poll quotes for like movie posters and stuff, but the, mm -hmm. the, the, the way that we look at culture is a lot different. So the mirror is got a million, the mirror cracked in a million pieces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know. I just sort of always enjoy reading them, even when I disagree, when it's a well-written review, even mm -hmm. when I totally disagree with the movie, it's like, wow, I think it's really interesting. And 
I miss that. Like, is there not that many people that I just follow as, as reviewers that I go, oh, wow. I follow this critic on Twitter named Sean Burns, and I think he writes for, for a Boston paper. And he's always hates everything, but he wrote a, a review of the Green Book, which he also hated. But he was very Good. specific and thoughtful about why he disliked it. And it was it was brilliant writing, you know, so I, I just started following him. But he's a crap. Oh, that's great. What is his name again? Sean John Burns. Sean Burns. Yeah. And you know and you know this person, Margaret? I don't know. They are. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know, but um, I follow a couple of different people on TikTok who are really interesting that are just, they're not really critics, but they just love movies. And then they help me fill in the gaps. Also, there's a couple of great podcasts that are centered around the new Beverly and about what the films they program at the new Beverly. Which, so oh, that's they, so cool. They go through the calendar. Oh, what's it called? I would love um, to. It's, yeah. uh, what is, let me pull it up. Hang on a second. It's really, yeah. it's really cool. I watched... <laughs> I watch these old movies, so it's helpful. Um, no, I, we all do. I love it. We, we all watch that. I mean, I see Lorraine's post, too. I love your post, Lorraine, about the old movies you watch. And <laughs> just There's such amazing gems. Thanks. Especially the movies that thought nobody would ever watch them again once they, you know, it's sort of the, yeah. the well, mistake. Also, it's that pure synopsis. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. so funny. So cool. But oh. Pure Cinema Podcast. Is, pure cinema pcp pure cinema yeah pure cinema podcast but they they okay. program the films there and then um they will go through a lot of films that like you know we are missing and things that aren't streaming um which i think is really important because so much is not streaming we think we have right. access to everything but actually, um, it's pretty limited well, that was what we have. The lie that they told us, like in the future, you could throw all your DVDs and, and VHS tapes away because everything will be online. And now you go to look for the one thing you're trying to find and you can't because it's like it doesn't exist. So there's a lot of I have a lot of DVDs still. And even a few I have I do have like two or three VHS tapes mm. of weird movies that I know that are rare. Hmm? Do you have a way to play them? No, not at all. <laughs> The only way I can even watch a DVD is on my, is on my laptop. Cause I, you know, but I still, it's just sort of like one day I just want to have them. I have a, a rare, like I got, um, John Waters, multiple maniacs on VHS. Like it was a version they made in the nineties or something. And I, it's just a really cool, rare, you know, That's thing great. that I'm like, you could never find that again. You know, you, you can't even, I remember when I, I first saw that movie, I couldn't understand it. The sound was so bad on the tape. Mm -hmm. And now there's a criteri criterion collection and that is actually streaming. You care. I mm -hmm. the other day was on HBO Max, and I was like, "This movie is streaming on HBO Max." Mm -hmm. And um, Apple so TV. It's weird. What'd you say? Apple TV. You can get the Criterion Collection. Right, mm -hmm. right, right, right. Anything you want to know about strange. watching television, you ask me because <laughs> I watch Lorraine. a lot of TV. Well, <laughs> movie, movie is really good as a streaming movie is service. Great, yeah. They have really great. Like I have movie and Criterion, but you know what's excellent for trash is Tubi. Tubi, yes, yeah. exactly, it is. Tubi is like for anything. If you love like going to a blockbuster and finding the weirdest, um, like martial arts sexploitation kind of things, they have oh, that, yeah. like the weird genre stuff. I think they have Snuff is on Tubi, which is like the most <laughs> ridiculous movie, but it's um, got a lot of horror, a lot of weird things. Also has a lot of trash TV from the the aughts. Like, mm -hmm. art is Hollywood too too skinny? Hollywood oh. <laughs> girls out of control, you know, too skinny. It's like all that sort of weird, um, flashy, uh, 
really sexist, anti, um, anti-woman body shamey TV, which is really oh, crazy. Like body shamey. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love watching that stuff. Just to, it's so fun to just be like, oh, this was presented without any irony and it was presented as yeah. As hard-hitting news and truth. <laughs> all that's available like... on, on Tubi and all as as is the Red Shoe Diaries, which I did. Oh, on... Zalman King. Yeah. Yes, wow. of course. All that. I love it. Oh my God. David Duchovny was in all those. And the... yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Red Shoe Diaries. That was just uh, I was just such a special time to like late night Scanamax movies and just the weirdest stuff that, you know, was just made that was just like, gosh. Um, yeah, the Cinemax I, Softcore. I remember that yeah. stuff. But I saw oh, something on TCM that blew my mind. It was called um, Deliverance, and it was from mm-hmm. 1919. Mm-hmm. And it was the story of Helen Keller. Wow. So they do a dramatization of her as a small child, then a young girl, wow. and then a woman. And she plays herself in the part where she's a woman. And Annie Sullivan plays herself. And her parents played themselves. Wow. wow. It's mind-blowing. It's an hour and 40 minutes. It's a silent movie, obviously. That's crazy. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was <laughs> just so odd and wonderful. I love and it. And what is the name of it again? It was called Deliverance, I think. Deliverance. Okay, that's what I thought you said. But, yeah, but it's not the famous. No, Squeal Like Burt a Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds, Piggy, Ned Beatty one. But, yeah, well, that's crazy. Yeah. It was wild how many silent films were so ahead of their time and that got lost so many of them that just rotted somewhere mm-hmm. that we get find uh there's also one from a, probably 1919 around that time called different from the others and it's the first gay film that outfest and ucla restored and most of it was destroyed by the nazis so like you, no. you they only had about an hour of it they could put together but you're watching gay men dancing with each other was and it an american this, like, movie it was, I believe, a German movie. Okay. And I'm, but it was obviously it was silent, Amazing. and it's just wild to think that that was over 100 years ago. Well, also, what was interesting film. about those old movies is that they completely took it in stride that women wrote the movies and directed them. Mm-hmm. You'd see women's names in in credits constantly for having written and directed these movies, and it wasn't even a a consideration, of course, that person mm-hmm. can do the job, they do it. I was always fascinated by that. Yeah. And in one or two before they were they were making money and they were like uh, the thing to do. It was just artists. Just, you yes. know, it was way more accepted. And then it became yeah. a money-making thing. And it's like, let the men in char- get in charge. Right. Let the men take over and ruin things. And we need to, you know, that's so, yeah, it's so nuts. I just, you know, anything like also pre-Hays Code that you watch and you're like, that could never, it took... 40 years to like deal with that kind of, you know, that again, mm-hmm. that's so, that's so, that's so amazing. It's so great. Um, Lorraine, do you have another, uh, uh, a revelation of some sort? Well, the thing is that, you know, I've done so many podcasts and I've written a book and at least 17 people have listened to that. So I feel <laughs> like everybody knows so much about me, but, um, and I've said this quite a bit often, but I love electronic dance music. Mm. You do, EDM. Yeah. And, mm. you know, I love Skrillex and 12th mm. Planet, just so many of them. And there used to be a festival in downtown LA that was parked there <laughs> called Hard Summer. And it was all okay. EDM. And I had this trick to get to the front of the stage 
uh, where I I put a really worried look on my face and go, Robbie, Robbie, get <laughs> <laughs> to right to the front of the stage. Robbie is yeah. such a good name too. Yeah, uh, that's Robbie. great. But that's great. I, I was like this human oddity to all these people that would see someone my age there. But I just love it. Wow, that's so great. What do you What do you think it is about it that's because I don't know it very well. I mean, I love what it's on, but I wouldn't know how to tell. I don't feel like I have a, a good, I don't have good taste for it. Well, I like the sounds. I like the composition of sounds mm -hmm. because people like Skrillex really are composers. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know? And uh, I can, I can hear, I love the complexity of it and yeah, um, the beat, you know, I really love the drop. The drop always just, mm. and it also kind of taps into my rage. So, yeah, but I it's just very physical. I love it. It's a very mm -hmm. like um, physical experience. Any kind of electronic music like that. I like mm -hmm. old electronic music, but like like hook hooked on Bach. Like there's a weird like or oh, switched wow. on Bach. Like the Wendy Carlos mm. stuff. Like the um the original like Moog kind of mm -hmm. synthesizer. Sure, oh, sure, 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 yeah. sure. Um, well, I, I have. Work. Oh yeah, craft work I love. So ahead oh, of your time. Yeah. So sure, yeah. I, it's so that's really futuristic. It's like past future. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Well, and I think too, you don't without lyrics and having to like literal uh, uh, lyrics kind of take put your brain in a more literal place sometimes, or, or you know you're responding to what they're saying or singing, and in this it's like you lose yourself in the that beat and in the world of that's, of that. That's you know? it. As I lose mm -hmm. myself in it. That's great. That's great. I need to find new music that I love. I feel, I hate being just, I feel like I've been an old codger about music kind of all my life. Like I've loved I've, since the nineties. I don't, I don't, I need to like go out and as opposed to just like, Oh, I can't stand. But, um, you know what I yeah, do to find new music is, um, and I used to do this when I went to Coachella, I started going in 2006 and I hate that it's become a punchline, but I just, Love mm. it. I can't do it anymore because money's. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, I go on the website, look at the lineup. They're all in alphabetical order. You can click on that band. Mm. And, you know, within, you know, five seconds, you know if you like that sound or not. And there's like yeah. 150 bands, but they really curate great stuff. Mm. And so that's where I was getting my new music. Yeah. That's such a great idea. It's that's painstaking, you... believe me, but. Oh, I'm sure. Because it's how many bands? It's over it's like it's 153 over, yeah. or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's you have to challenge yourself to find new music. I mean, I have a struggle with it too, but I very like keyed into a genre. Like I love power pop. So everything that I like is sort of like filtered through that lens. And um so it's also like just kind of going deep into the catalog of artists around the time of my sweet spot, uh, 1978 to 1982 of things I oh, missed. Sure. So, right. and also then if you like play Todd Rundgren, then any other artist mm -hmm. that's around that, that I missed. So right. it, it's like, if you go into Todd Rundgren, who I think is sort so of prog, time. yeah, prog rock too, then it, mm -hmm. it sort of like filters out, then you can see, but there's a lot of stuff that I missed. Right. Right. Or just that you can look at now and go, oh, wow, that's sort of, you know, I just love too that, you know, a lot of these bands that were not, you know, that people talk about now, like Sparks mm -hmm. or television or those yeah. that everyone goes, oh, these were actually the greatest, you know, people that know music 
then knew it then too, but it's yeah. like, it's, it's very cool that people are getting rediscovered. And that's one of the, that gives, gives me hope of just sort of like, we just keep things alive and mm -hmm. sort of like, you know, cause how, what, what else is, falls into power pop? Margaret. Yeah, what is Power Pop? Power Pop is anything that's sort of like descended from the Beatles. So it's like, okay. um, like it, it. I think the eighties there was a real resurgence of Power Pop. So bands mm. like Big Star or even something like The Replacements could be a little bit of a darker iteration of Power Pop. But Power okay. Pop is really Elvis Costello, Nick Lowe, oh. The Bangles. Okay go-go's it's a kind of it can be sugary it can be melodic but it can be also um very new wave new wave was a very big era for power pop okay um, I would think the runaways be considered runaways pop? definitely power pop blondie blondie for sure yeah, uh, yeah. kim fowley is probably mm -hmm. you know big sort of influence in power pop too so any band that like would be descended from like uh david bowie and glam okay and, and it's Mark funny because there's t-rex there's like a distinction between that and heavy metal there's yeah and uh, i uh, that's so interesting because heavy metal it goes into more of a dirge kind of a harder sound it's not as melodic there's melodic moments mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. power pop is mostly staying in the melodic thing and mm -hmm. there's a heavy influence uh influence of b minor and c sharp seven <laughs> so if you're like working on those notes, it's that Joe Jackson is probably the ultimate power pop guy. Um, anything that he does, uh, but you know, it's so anything is that is that kind of iteration. So now I think power pop is bands like Soccer Mommy, Claro, um, Beach Bunny, um, yeah, Mitski. I don't know oh, any of them. I don't either, uh, but I'm going to go back and because that's what I need. I also um. Uh, is it wet lip, wet leg? Wet leg could be power pop. Yes. Okay. Wet leg could yeah, be power pop. Because I love that Chez Lounge song. I love that song. I know I'm literally, I, this is literally grandpa version going, white, 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 wet wipe. I was, uh, I yeah, was in Hannah's car that. the other day and she was playing a song and I looked at the artist and it was Bad Finger. I oh, love oh, Bad I Finger. I've heard of Bad it. Finger. Bad Finger is very power pop. Bad yeah. Finger, yeah. Todd Rundgren, a 10cc, um, mm -hmm. You know, oh, Phil Seymour, all of those bands. Oh very powerful. Yeah, I, I'm really into, I also really love 60s French girl music. Like, oh, I yee, love. Yee, you like the yee yee? Yee yee. Oh, yeah. And I love, I mean, you know, anything that's sort of in that. Francois Hardy um, and. Um, yeah. Any, Serge Gainsbourg Serge and any of that kind of. Yeah. And and anything they did with Jane. And I love, I love that stuff, too. Jocelyn and all those anything that's sort of like I will just it makes me so happy mm -hmm. I, I was just the other day picketing uh yesterday and uh they were they were playing music for us and I always talk about that song this is so dumb and perfect for the show these boots are made for walking mm -hmm. is that song is so frustrating to me because the very end dance music they put on I want throughout the whole I want that whole song like it mm. it's that bum 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 Bum, 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 that just comes yeah. out at the very end it's like yeah. the drop. and obviously it's yeah. such a incredible message and what she's singing you want to hear what she's having to say and it, you don't want to just get carried away at it but it just when it comes in as dessert i was like i want to live in the last 10 seconds of that song and i want to i want that whole thing realized fully mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um because that, that that kind of music is what will make me just like i mean anytime that that's on i will just be like so happy i love it i could live in that music forever it's so beautiful yeah 
Yeah. And there's something really kind of, and there is something kind of angry about it too, in a weird way, or like, or just like feels really like, or not angry, but rebellious and, and strong that I love. That's just sort of like, you know, um, well, there weren't know. that many songs that were critical of men. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, you know, and I always love when it's sort of like subversive like that too. It's like, you think it's just this really fun song and you're like oh really listen to what it's saying it's so yeah, it's a verse of it is upbeat you know and right. it's very hopeful for the future yes that, and that's i really like that too that's so good it's so, yeah. yeah she's she's great that song is great yeah lorraine you were saying earlier and i just want to circle back on this thing you said you were on a when you were 16 you were on a a tour a teen tour, a teen tour. what was that well um <laughs> This is kind of dark. I had a frenemy. There wasn't words for that then, but this kid really, I was so depressed, the number Mm. she was doing on me. So my parents put me on this teen tour and it was all these incredibly affluent girls. You know, like one of them was uh, Fonza Bell, who was the daughter of Alfonso Bell of Bel Air. You oh, know? okay. And sure. and girls back east that were like Gloria Upson from Auntie Mame. You know, well, I just stepped oh, sure. on the ping pong well, ball. Yeah. Bigglesworth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were like that. And, you know, we had fun in New York. We, we were all together in one room and we were seeing, so we were, you know, we saw a couple having sex across the way in another hotel, completely naked. And, you know, and then we get on the SS France to go to England and um, the first joke I hear at the dinner table was, what's the smallest book in the world? The book of Jewish business ethics. Wow. And, you know, I was wow. 16 and I was kind of like, well, if I tell them that I'm Jewish, then they'll see that we're okay. You know, but that's not what happened. I was completely no. ostracized for the rest of the trip. Oh, it was so you horrible. did tell them. Huh? You did tell them that you were Jewish, and yeah. they were like, "Oh, yeah, wow, mm. Mm. gosh!" It's like the full nightmare where I'd walk down the hall in a hall of a hotel we're in, and I would hear them talking about me. You mm. know, it was just enriching. It's so awful. Well, when your worst nightmare comes true, and you think, "Oh, I'm I'm being irrational. I shouldn't always live in this." Surely they're gonna. They might go out of their way to. to be kinder to me or maybe not say those things and well it didn't even occur to me that something like that would happen of course yeah yeah. from an you know the school I went to was like 99 percent Jewish so anyway I just I feel like when I I I think about I had to I had to break up with I mean I guess an acquaintance who just kept doubling down when I was basically saying what you're saying and doing is homophobic. And I thought we would, our conversation would be, I'm so sorry. Can we talk about this? And I'm like, I'm probably overreacting, but it's kind of how I went. And it was like, Oh no, no, you're wrong. And, and it's that feat when you, when somebody does that to you and you're like, Oh, this is why I'm scared of talking up. Cause I'm you're, Oh, this is wild that you're not at this all. This was receptive. a good friend of yours. No, 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 no. It was just someone that I did shows with and i kind of thought oh she's making comments on facebook that are just kind of kind of dumb jokes about gay men and gay men are like this gay men are like that and i'm like you're you're a straight lady and you're not and you're not really 
I don't know. I was like, this kind of bothers me. I'm sorry I'm overreacting. I know it's during COVID. And it was like, no, you're wrong. And you're too, you know, you're too sensitive. And here's what I don't like about you. And it's just sort of, you know, it's like, oh, wow. Oh, no. Okay, bye. I mean, you know, you can't. With utter certainty. But I was also in my 40s when this happened to me. You were 16. I mean, that's also that happening, too, when you're like, oh, I didn't know that this would be the reaction and that people would. It was the first time I'd ever encountered that. Mm -hmm. Gosh. That's really scary. It's horrible. Yeah. And to feel like, oh, I really, oh, that is, that is what that, what that that feels You know, the culmination was that um, I was in Italy and you know how, like, a lot of Italian movies have a real mood about them when someone's running oh, down yeah. the street and, you know, I was by a canal or something and a bird shit on my head. Oh, and no. I was like, well, this, this is just, you know, and I just sat down on uh, the street and laughed, you know, because uh-huh. it was just the cherry on top. It was perfect. The perfect thing. Mm. Also, you were, your parents were with great intentions were trying to get you away to like really see the world and like it, like in, have an enriching experience, a connecting connected experience, and it said it was like, oh no, I am, and it's also that thing. It's that like you can look back and say, oh great, it shaped me to be the you know the creative singular force that I am now, and I and I'm fine. I don't need anybody else for the in this world. But gosh, that's heavy at sixteen. It's the startling part that. of it is the the casualness that people have towards anti-Semitism or homophobia. That's what's so shocking. Yes. Like mm-hmm. with yes. me, like I I went a long time ago. I worked on this very big, weird thing. The star of it was, uh, was trying to get me to come and join the rest of the cast. And he said, could you tell Margaret that we're ready to order? And it was like the worst. It's kind of funny, but it's also like so <laughs> yeah. horrible. It's, like, it's so yeah. like. The casualness. I'm the like, casualness. I'm just going to be racist right now, but it's okay. Right. Just real yeah. casual. The, the, the casualness is what really irks <laughs> me about it. Well, and then it's like, you're, it's your problem. Come on. I'm kidding. Yeah. You really think, oh, yeah. you're going to I was go, just oh, kidding. Oh, are we cool? Don't you have a sense of humor? Yeah. yeah it's like them. you're just, um, when you bring it up, then you're the killjoy. Mm-hmm. of it right it's a very right. uh it, it, it is the the casual nature of this sort of people in supposed power seem to feel like about defending those these values that are really wrong right and it's the, the worst of the liberal people who think they're beyond it that are sort of yeah. like oh please yeah. i voted for obama are you mm-hmm. kidding me? I'm cool. Yeah. And I had to learn. I arrogantly thought I had done so much more work that, that I than I had. And I'll never finish doing. And it's like, embrace that instead of being so resistant to like, whatever. Like, okay, cool. I didn't know that. And I'm wrong. I was wrong. And I'm so sorry if I hurt your feelings. Isn't that kind of where we need to come from versus mm-hmm. like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm very open minded and you don't get it. You have a bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, I, I feel had like I something you. like that happen where um, on SNL, Rob Reiner was the host of the show and he and Jane and I think Penny and I went out to Wolf's Deli and the Heartbreak Kid had just come out. And oh, yeah. I, I hated that movie because of the depiction, <laughs> you know, of the character of Ginny Berlin as just being the opposite of anything attractive or good, you know, Mm -hmm. and having gone to Beverly high school where boys did not like Jewish girls, I was really sensitive. And so I was saying, you know, I said the character of Jeannie Berlin in the heartbreak kid made me ashamed to be a Jewish woman. And Rob said, you should be ashamed anyway, which 
is really funny. <laughs> it's really funny. But at the time, I was so sensitive. I was so angry. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I carried that around until one day it was like, oh, that's really funny. He was kidding. <laughs> it's really funny. Damn it. Well, and and he's Jewish, too. Yes. I mean, does that make it better? Yes. You know, so it's like, you know, I feel like that's also one of those things when you look at it, it's like, oh, that's, he's including himself in that as well and making yeah. like a really, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, well, y'all, we're almost at time. I think we're, we're at time. I think this has been, I know this has been, I'm not going to say I think this has been, this has been such a great conversation. Thank y'all so much. Where can we find y'all on the socials? Uh, you can find me um, at Margaret underscore Cho on Instagram at Margaret Cho on Twitter and uh, the Margaret Cho on TikTok. And I'm on tour. So you can see me anywhere in the world. Um, MargaretCho.com for tickets. Oh, that's so great. When do you go back on tour? Uh, I'm on tour now. A, 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 oh, so- a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there. So yes. Okay. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And Lorraine, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter at Lorraine Newman and on Instagram at Lorraine Newman. And, uh, you know, I work a lot in animation. So uh, the stuff that I'm doing won't be out for like a year or so. And they want to announce the casting. But I am in okay. a show, second season of Big Nate, which oh, great. won a GLAAD award. And it's it's on Netflix, I think. So that's where you can hear me. Oh, that's awesome. Um, well, thank you all so much for doing this. Um, Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Minor Revelations. Thank you. Thank you, Drew. I love you. Thank you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Friend of the Pod Productions.